today's video is brought to you by MeUndies. Hey, brother! Oh, man, you guys, there are few things in the wizarding world that I have coveted more than my own broomstick. I mean, I own a broomstick. I have to use it, like, several times a day because we have twins and the amount of food on the floor is outrageous. But mine doesn't fly. But it's such a cool thing the wizarding world was able to take such a mundane, everyday household object and turn it into, like, what looks like somehow a sports car? The new Nimbus 2000! It's the fastest model yet! I mean, it's just a stick with smaller sticks coming off the end! And yet it undeniably looks as fast as a motorcycle or a carbon fiber Santa Cruz full of carbon V10 downhilling mountain bike machine in slate gray! That last one was in case my wife was watching. Point is, broomsticks are awesome, and like when Harry got his, 12-year-old me was genuinely green with envy. Which like, hey, can we talk about that for a sec? Because we all get in a huff after Lucius buys the entire Slytherin team racing brooms in the second year. And yeah, I get it. The game is like fundamentally flawed by way of, well, like the rules and how the scoring works, not the least of which is why Crumb caught the snitch early at the World Cup. Like, come on, man. Some Quidditch matches last days. You gave up this early into the match. How little faith do you have in your teammates? But another huge unfair fair thing is that not all broomsticks are made the same so it really does feel like a tremendous disadvantage if the other team all has just genuinely better faster brooms yeah i'll say it it feels like it should be more regulated but it's not so if lucius wants to be that team dad then like it's not against the rules i think lucius also brought them orange slices after the game i'm gonna be like you Dead. But outfit them however you want. I mean, it's not his fault. The rules are ridiculous. I mean, for all I know, it could be. He does have a lot of sway. Either way, though, Harry is given a ridiculously high-quality broom himself from the school, which is also pretty ridiculous when you consider that the school already has these brooms. Like, I don't want to say it was a conflict of interest, but it's also the exact definition, so... Because like I said, the school already has brooms, so the first years can have one class once where they learn how to fly once. Madam Hooch has the best job in the school. Teach one class and referee six matches all year and that's it. Really, when you think about it, what Lucius did kind of feels warranted. Also, also, can I just point out real quick that Nimbus apparently came out with the Nimbus 2000 and the Nimbus 2001 in 1991 and 92. I mean, they're obviously good at brooms, but they are terrible with dates. But whatever, Harry has a great broom until it gets destroyed, which I have to say is one of the most underrated deaths in the entire series. Like, yes, I agree with you, Dobby was obviously the worst, and then maybe Fred, but the Nimbus is third! Sorry to all you Lupin, Tonk, Snape, Cedric, Sirius- Oh, Sirius, Sirius was a good one. Okay, but the Nimbus was fourth! But one thing I found particularly interesting is that Harry's broomstick could not be repaired. And like, you don't spend too much time on it because almost immediately after Harry is given the firebolt and then Hermione's like, no, it's probably cursed by Sirius Black. And then they take the firebolt and you're like, oh, Hermione, why did you do that? But then they give it back and everyone makes up. But the fact is Harry's Nimbus could not be repaired, which got me thinking, isn't there another wooden magical object Harry breaks that can't be repaired? A wand? <laughs> what is with Hagrid sounding so surprised here that Harry needs a wand? Like if anything, that's the, the, the one thing he definitely needs. But wands, much like broomsticks, cannot be repaired once they are broken, which got me thinking, how else are these two similar and is it possible that broomsticks also have cores? Guys, before we dive on in, we need to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, MeUndies. Guys, what is something you wear that you can't see but that can make or break your day? Well, if you guessed under britches, you're dead on. Well done. Give yourself a pat on the back. I am impressed. 
I also would have accepted smiles. But seriously, guys, it's the first thing you put on, probably. I mean, maybe you do socks first. You do you, man. Either way, you want to be sure it's as comfortable as possible. And either way, MeUndies also does socks, so. My personal experience goes like this. It may look like I'm just sitting on a regular chair, but actually I'm sitting on a cloud that is then sitting on this regular chair. The cloud is the underwear. And for me, having the subscription means that not only am I saving money, but I'm filling out my drawers with some of my favorite drawers. Is anyone else wondering why they call underwear drawers sometimes? Ah, it comes from the word draw, which means to pull. It's probably because you, okay, well, it makes sense. MeUndies are designed to be the softest thing you've ever worn. I mean, their signature micro model fabric literally grows from trees. So Sustainably sourced undies, say less. They offer different cuts for different butts, ranging from sizes extra small to Ford XL. So whether you're looking for classic colors or adventurous prints, MeUndies has you covered. And y'all, these prints though, I mean, if you're already watching this video, I guarantee they have you covered. So to get 15% off your first order, plus free shipping, plus a 100% satisfaction guarantee, you can head over to MeUndies.com theories. Again, that is MeUndies.com theories. 15% off your first order, free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee, MeUndies.com theories. Link is in the description down below. Okay, so right out of the gate, I think there are a fair few details out there that might help us along as we try and determine how and why broomsticks fly. With wands, for example, we know a few things, like that magic is actually possible without them. Many younger wizards accidentally channel their magic before they even get them. And those actions tend to be really good signifiers to parents that their children are in fact magical. We also know that certain species in the wizarding world do not use wands and yet definitely still have a grasp of magic like house elves or goblins. My point being that that wands are not essential to produce magic. They are just highly optimized to help a wizard channel their magic. And if we were to apply the same logic to brooms, there are a few questions that would immediately float to the surface. Like, could a muggle fly a broomstick? My personal opinion is that no, they couldn't in the same way that a muggle couldn't produce any magic out of a wand. On the flip side though, if we were gonna go all hocus pocus on this, I suppose you could reasonably ask like, could a wizard make any cleaning apparatus fly? I do have to admit the vacuum cleaner was a stroke of genius. But like, could a wizard walk into a muggle house and just pick up their broom and turn it into a vehicle? Which total aside, in the wizarding world, don't you think broom closets should actually be called garages? Because they definitely should be. New head cannon. But to answer the question before, we don't get an outright answer in the books, but we do get a hint about it in Quidditch Through the Ages. No muggle illustration of a witch is complete without a broom, and however ludicrous these drawings are, for none of the broomsticks depicted by muggles would stay up in the air for a moment, they remind us that we were careless for far too many centuries to be surprised that broomsticks and magic are inextricably linked in the muggle mind. That, at the very least, makes it sound like what muggles consider broomsticks are not the kind of broomsticks that fly, and that actual flying broomsticks are a very specifically made piece of wizarding equipment. However, I do think wizards could make any broomstick, magical or otherwise, fly at least a little, but not because all broomsticks are innately magical, just because wizards can actually channel their magic through almost anything. Oh yes, if you are any wizard at all, you will be able to channel your magic through almost any instrument. The best results, however, must always come where there is the strongest affinity between wizard and wand. But just like if you tried to use an ordinary stick as your wand, if you're using a non-magical broomstick, the results would be variable to nothing 
at best. Like you certainly wouldn't be able to fly to London, let alone across a room. It's just a very ineffective instrument. But so then the question is, what does make a broomstick better or maybe more specifically magical? What's unique about a flying broomstick that allows a wizard to channel some of their magic through it? And I do think that's what has to be happening with broomsticks, at least on some level, because otherwise then a muggle should be able to use a broomstick. Interestingly, I do think there's a unique case that this argument brings a whole new light to, and that is that Voldemort himself can fly. Which, like, since apparition exists, I never really considered this useful or even impressive magic. Hold on, I'll be right there! Slow as it may be, when you look at it through this lens, it is actually really impressive that he can do this. Because he's not channeling his magic through a broomstick or through any vehicle at all for that matter. He's channeling his magic through nothing so powerfully that he's able to actually fly. Like, I can't stress it enough, that is next level. Think of it like, instead of doing wandless magic, what he's doing is broomless magic. And with that in mind, I think we can continue to paint the parallels between brooms and wands even further by demonstrating that the best results come when there is a strong relationship between wizard and instrument. We've all heard the phrase, the wand chooses the wizard, suggesting there is a certain amount of sentience on the wand's part. But the same seems to be true of broomsticks. We actually get a really good example of this during Harry's first and only one time flying lesson with Madame Hooch on her one day of work a year. She instructs the class to command their brooms up, and here's what happens. Harry's broom jumped into his hand at once, but it was one of the few that did. Hermione Granger's had simply rolled over on the ground, and Neville's hadn't moved at all. In this case, Harry manages the magic way better than Hermione, who, at least at this point, we know to be way better with spell work. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. <laughs> Any excuse to use that clip, am I right? But the really important part is how Harry seems to interpret this relationship between wizards and brooms. Perhaps brooms like horses could tell you were afraid, thought Harry. There was a quaver in Neville's voice that said only too clearly that he wanted to keep his feet on the ground. And to be fair, I don't think the relationship between wizard and broom is nearly as far-reaching or unique as that between wizard and wand. I mean, after all, Harry is able to get on various brooms throughout the series and fly them pretty much no problem. But it also seems like relationships can be built between wizards and brooms. I mean, listen to Harry describe riding the firebolt. It was better than he ever dreamed. The firebolt turned with the lightest touch. It seemed to obey his thoughts rather than his grip. Thoughts more than grip, you say? So kind of like, I don't know, uh, non-verbal magic? I mean, I guess grip is also non-verbal, but I think you see what I mean. Plus, as we mentioned earlier, when broken, neither wands nor brooms can be repaired by magic. It just feels like they're playing by so many of the same rules. So again, let's start with what makes wands themselves capable of magic. Because despite being very mysterious magical objects, we do know certain things vary from wand to wand, like their core or their wood or their flexibility or their length. And brooms are kind of the same, although I will say there's not really any mention of length or flexibility coming up when it comes to broomsticks, although Hagrid does at one point mention that he doesn't think there's a broomstick large enough to carry him. And similarly, he does have an exceptionally long wand at 15 inches. However, the type of wood does seem to play a big role in the differences you get in wands and brooms. For example, Harry's Firebolt is described as having a super fine handle of ash treated with a diamond hard polish and hand numbered with its own registration number. Each individually selected birch twig in the broom tail has been honed to aerodynamic 
perfection, giving the Firebolt unsurpassable balance and pinpoint precision. And yet, if you go read about the Firebolt in the Wizarding World archives, you'll discover that it's a little more customizable depending on what you want from it. The handle is of polished ebony and the twigs of birch or hazel according to personal preference. Birch is reputed to give more oomph in high ascents, whereas hazel is preferred by those who prefer hair trigger steering. So, same product, but different woods giving you different magical effects. Same goes for wands, which if you want to read about, there is a huge article over on Wizarding World that will tell you the different characteristics and possibilities that your wand wood might be offering you. Which finally brings us to the crux of the problem as far as I'm concerned. Wand cores. Because almost everything about the way that wizards interact with wands and brooms seems to line up almost perfectly, except that brooms are never mentioned to have cores. There's plenty of talk about the different charms placed upon them, like cushioning charms, breaking charms, they seem to be weirdly resistant to dark magic, but they never mention flying charms or levitation charms, and there's not even known flying charms, because if there were, then wizards themselves could fly. So it doesn't even seem like there's a charm available you could put on the broomstick to make it fly. Which leaves us with just one explanation, that broomsticks must have cores. I mean, again, going back to wands, the core is the really unique part. It's what makes the wand feel actually magical. I mean, without the core, it's really just a stick. And sure, as we said before, a wizard could pick up a stick and potentially channel some magic through it, as they can channel magic through anything. But that doesn't make that stick magical. Like, let's say, for example, Harry picked up a branch from a holly tree, which is the wand wood for his actual wand. I'm inclined to believe it would be no more productive than if he picked up any other stick in the woods. Because without the phoenix feather inside, it's really not a magically inclined object, it's just a holly stick. Like, you see what I mean? A stick off the ground can be the right wood, it can have the length and the flexibility, but without the core, it's still just a stick. Everything else being the same, without the core, it doesn't make the leap into magical object. Which finally brings us to my argument for today. Harry's Nimbus was made of mahogany, and his firebolt was made of ash, or ebony, depending on where you look. And his firebolt is considered the supreme option, with bonus features including goblin-made ironwork and an unbreakable breaking charm. But I'm gonna call those add-on accessories, like yeah, they add to the functionality of the broom, but the broom could function without them. What makes that firebolt magical and not just a stick of ash with some birch twigs on the end? A magic core. A core that transforms the stick with twigs into a full-on flying magical broomstick. A core that allows witches and wizards to channel their inner ability to fly, that has a certain amount of sentience, and that can be enhanced by the outer wood in some way. The real question is what kind of cores would they use? I mean, we know they use phoenix tail feathers and dragon heartstrings and unicorn tail hairs in wands. My personal thought is that whatever creature it is can probably already fly, and I would bet that flying a horse Horses in particular would make really great candidates, if for no other reason than that's immediately what Harry compares broomsticks to. And the fact that you can breed horses, and that there's a wide variety of different kinds of flying horses to get different desired effects in your broomstick. Plus, much like a regular broomstick, horses themselves are not innately magical, but whenever they become magical, it usually involves the ability to fly, or the adding of wings, just like a broomstick. Or in some cases, they get the horn. That's equally cool.
But there you go guys, broomsticks seem to be just like wands in so many ways. In some ways I wonder if you could just like shoot spells out of the end of your broomstick. Or as I like to call it, a boomstick, because it's like basically a magical bazooka at that point, am I right? But then my question for you and everyone else at home is if you had a magical broomstick, what kind of core do you think you would have? Do you think the wood would match your wand? I feel like we need a new Pottermore quiz for this. But guys, as always, thank you so much for watching today's video. Don't forget to leave a like on it if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Harry Potter action from us. If you want to see flu powder's secret ingredient, you can check out this video right here. But Ben, until next time, I will see you in another life, brother.